Well, hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso. I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Boy, it seems from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think, live, and make decisions. And when even the experts sound convincing, but they disagree, how do we cut through the noise? And when information overload leaves us frustrated, how do we sift through it all and then choose what governs our lives? Our leadership here at Grace has been processing and praying about these things, and we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. And here with me now is the namesake of the podcast, Jeff Bogue. Jeff Bogue. Oh. Dr. Reverend Jeffrey A. Bogue. I thought my name got changed in mixed messages. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mix, come here a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> That's that would be uh, that would be an, uh, a yeah. super odd name. We but. had your trademark uh, switched, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, super fun! Well, one of my favorite things that happens on this podcast is actually being able to respond to questions from our listeners, mm-hmm. and we have one today. Uh, she says, uh, "A question I have is: as Christians, uh, what do you know about raising our children in the Lord?" And uh, first of all, I'm a language guy. I loved. I read that at first, and I just wanted to respond. Nothing, and then move on to the <laughs> <Yeah>. next one. <laughs> um, but what do you know about raising our children in the I Lord? I thought that, but I was nice enough not to say that. Well, Joe. you know, I can't help it. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> drop anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, the listener says, "I have a young child, and as I'm learning to parent, I desperately want my child to come to know Jesus. I look around to all of the outside influences of the world, and my knee jerk is to shelter and protect him from everything. Mm-hmm. But I also want him to be." able to function in our world and have experience interacting with other people and learning to love them. What does the scripture have to say about that? And how do I help my child be able to interact with the world, but remain rooted in what is true and right without being swept away into worldliness? Mm -hmm. If you're a parent, my guess is this question (laughs) digs at your soul. Yep. And, um, but, and before we dive into the answer, Jeff, before we get into our response, I also want to just point out to all of our listeners, because not everybody has kids that's listening, this question is actually good for all of us, not just our quote-unquote kids. How much do we ourselves <laughs> kind of get personally involved right. in the things of the world and stuff like that? So, Jeff, help us understand, how do we navigate this? You know, uh, this uh, when you say this uh, question tugs at the heart of everybody who's uh, a parent, that's true. There's seven children between you and I. Six of them are mine. <laughs> but um, uh, it's a question I think about a lot. But I really appreciate what you just said about uh, those of those of us who are watching or listening that do not have kids. What I wish as a, as a pastor is, and a Christ follower, is I actually wish this question tugged at everybody's heart. Mm. And, um, and I think that that issue where people are looking and saying, I don't want to be drawn into the world. I don't want to be swept away in worldliness. Uh, I, I recognize and I have a respect for the influences of the world that are around me and how they impact me. That recognition right there is the key <laughs> to the parenting question. Absolutely. Right? And so I would I would say to our listener um, as sh- as she's thinking about this, like the the number one thing you can do uh, for your children is love and follow Jesus yourself, mm. and and let them see that in a real and an authentic and a genuine uh, relationship. And and when I look back, um, 
at my childhood, the people who made Jesus make sense to me weren't my pastors, they were my parents. Hmm. And uh, my parents were first-generation Christians. Uh, Both of them were raised in very, very difficult homes. And uh, birds of a feather dysfunction together, and so they found each other. You know, they recognize each other's pain and dysfunction, and so they, they married. And, uh, and then they started a family. And my mom and dad uh, really didn't come to know Christ uh, until after they were married and they had started having children. And, and a lot of times uh, that's not an uncommon story, sure, right? absolutely not, yeah. And so as they were learning to follow Christ, they were doing that kind of from scratch. Hmm. Like, what's the Bible? They had some religious... Uh, ties in their younger days, like most people in North America, especially uh, people who were teenagers in the 50s, <laughs> which is my parents, um, had those ties. But they did not have a clear understanding of Christ. They did not have a good understanding of God's Word or really what it would have meant to have a Christian family. And they had no example of a healthy family. My Mother's father was an alcoholic, and the family was completely dysfunctional. Uh, my father's father's uh, family was broken down and dysfunctional, etc. And so they almost um, took the Bible and read it like an instruction manual <laughs> and applied it to our family. <laughs> That's kind of the way that it worked a little bit. And for them... Uh, what they were taught was you need to go to church, go to church, go to church, go to church. And so we went to church, went to church, went to church, <laughs> went to church. And, and the church we went to was a, um, uh, a a little, the church I grew up in was a little uh, Baptist church. It was very, very legalistic. Um, and I heard that preached and I heard that pushed and, and all those kind of things growing up. But my parents were not legalistic, hmm. and their faith was genuine. So what I'm saying to our, our person who, I almost said caller, like this is talk radio. <laughs> Thank you. You can this call now at WJJI. The person who wrote in this question, I think what I want to say to you is, my parents did not know what they were doing, but they loved Jesus, and us kids turned out really well. Hmm. All their children love Jesus, and all their grandchildren love Jesus. And in our family, not only do we love Jesus, but we love each other. There is no divorce in our family. There is no addiction in our family. Like, like they really, really broke those cycles, and they had no idea how to raise a Christian, quote-unquote, <laughs> family. Yeah. So I think— a parent's genuine pursuit of Christ. My parents raised us in a legalistic church, were probably at points too legalistic themselves Mm -hmm. because it's kind of what they were taught, so they were mimicking it, but they were genuine. And somehow that stuck. Mm. And we saw them pursue Christ, we saw a tender heart, we saw them love people, and somehow it transferred that this is for real and this is legit. And um, Heidi and I, as an example, do not 
run our home the way that our parents or her parents ran, ran their home. Um, but we love the God that they taught us to love. Yeah. And, and we serve the Lord that they taught us to serve. So I think that's a big piece of this. And, sure. and so when the script, like in Deuteronomy, famous parenting verses, Deuteronomy chapter six, like train up a child the way they should go, like when you're walking with them, when they lie down. And what that passage is saying is show them how to love God. Yeah. And that's what my mom and dad did. And they did it imperfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did it. You saw, you witnessed in your family a version of what Jesus talked about with the greatest commandment. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor, the rest of the law and the prophets hang on these. That's right. And so it's, you don't put the law up front, do, 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 do. And yeah, if you have a relationship with God, I guess that's fine. No, you start with, you have to have that connectedness and that relationship with Jesus because that's where the life stems from. That's right. So that's that's fantastic. So what are what are some of those ways that that starts to play out practically. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think that, that what you just said would highly encourage our quote-unquote caller, uh, <laughs> but that would encourage them. But I think they still might, and you know this, you got notes in front of you, but um, they still might go, yeah, but but how do I do that? Yeah. You know, and, and when do I push play or push stop when it comes to engaging in the world? Yeah, so I the the, the passage that we have written down here is Romans 12, 2. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what my mom and dad, I think, taught me was that the world and its system, so the worldly systems, the scheme of the devil, are anything that are devoid of Christ or uh, against Christ, hmm. right? So uh, Jesus isn't God, Buddha is, is a worldly system. But uh, you weren't created, you evolved from an aniba is also a worldly system. Uh, if you just have pleasure and money, you'll be happy. That's a system that's devoid of Christ, so it's worldly, right? Yeah. So what Paul is writing here in Romans is he's saying, don't be conformed to that pattern or those systems, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As I learn the pattern and the mindset of Christ, my mind is renewed, and what is worldly becomes illogical, and Mm. what is godly becomes the logic that I would pursue my life through. So here's an example of this. Um, My parents, we would be watching a television show, for instance, that television show might have uh, a sex scene in it, or it's a movie that has a sex scene in it, my parents would turn that off. And they would say, um, that doesn't honor God, um, and you watching that doesn't honor God. Why not? What's wrong with it? Well, do you think God would be okay with you watching two people have sex? No. Do you think, is it, does it, does it, um, does it uh, uh, help you know and follow God, or does it hurt you from knowing and following God? Hurts me. Okay, let's just watch a, a different movie then, mm-hmm. right? And that was kind of the way that they would handle that with me. Um, you can get legalistic about that. Like I had friends that weren't allowed to watch the Smurfs because Gargamel was a wizard. Uh, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents were like, 
you can sort that through. That's entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to go into witchcraft because of the Smurfs. Uh, I had friends that weren't allowed to watch Star Wars because of the Force. My parents are like, this is all pretend. Mm-hmm. So, But, like, if it was something blatant like that, they would be like, hey, buddy, like, think it through. Like, everybody says that's okay, and it's actually not okay. And that's something that maybe you shouldn't let become okay in your life, right? My parents were that way with um, uh, money, for instance. So my, my mom and dad... And uh, were some of the most generous people you ever met. And, and we didn't have a lot of money. We were, uh, um, when my dad was healthy, we were a middle-class working family. When my dad got sick, we were probably a, a lower-class working family, you know. So we didn't go hungry or anything like that, but we didn't have a lot of money. But my dad, um, I remember one time a homeless guy came into our house or to our yard or whatever, and uh, my dad gave him our camping equipment. And he's like, yeah, I don't want you to be homeless. I have little kids. I'm not moving you into my house, but let's make sure you have a roof over your head. And that guy, like, took our tent. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was hilarious is he brought it back. Well, wow. And, and I'm like, and my dad was like, well, it's a tent, son. And that's a human being. Yeah. Right? And we have something that can bless him. My dad's, uh, we were campers. My dad had a trailer. It was kind of his pride and joy. When the missionaries came home, and back then you come home for like a month, you drive everywhere, he would give them our trailer. Hmm. And I'm like, Dad, what are we going to camp in? He's like, honey, you know, them raising support's more important than us going to the lake for the weekend. We'll hmm. use it later. So that's a pattern of the world. And my dad's like, being selfish and being uh, not caring about a human being is the way that everybody else is. But Jesus isn't like that, son, is what he was saying. Sure. You know? And so I want you to think differently. And I learned that. And then my dad would pray with me at night. We did go to church a lot, so mm-hmm. that was important. You know, my dad worked six, six days a week, and but he would go to church. And so I'm like, oh, I see how this connects. And then if my dad had a conviction, he wouldn't necessarily force it on us. So in our church, my dad was a deacon, and the deacons had to sign a document that says that said they wouldn't go to the movies because they thought it was worldly. Wow. So my dad did not go to a movie theater for probably 20 years. Wow. But he would drop us off because my dad would be like, I made that commitment. You didn't make that commitment. Fascinating. And I don't think it's a sin, but I made a commitment. So I'm not going to tell a lie. Right. Yeah. And so you just, I saw my father and mother's uh, mind renewed and what they valued and what they cared for caused us to live in a conflicting pattern to the world. Mm Mm-hmm. They put me in environments, church, school, where I got the information, and then the Holy Spirit helped me to do the math. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it made sense to me. That's awesome. You and I both had a friend that recently lost their father. And uh, as I was uh, listening to him and his brother give kind of a eulogy of their father, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but the thing that really struck me, not only as a encouragement from them, but kind of as a, 
am I mimicking that strong of an image for my daughter was them waking up every morning and seeing their dad at the table with a cup of coffee reading his Bible. Yeah. And they're like, it was like, it was every morning. Our dad loved Jesus. And he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a pastor. Matter of fact, they even joked a little bit like, and he wasn't going to wow you with his Bible knowledge, you know? So he wasn't, um, you know, a quote unquote Bible nerd, or it wasn't something he was ever even really inclined to do, but he wanted to pursue Jesus. And that stuck. And, And that family, like, I mean, our friend that we're talking about, they love and follow Jesus. That's right. You know? I, I can remember as a child, my chi- some of my strongest childhood memories are walking in and catching my dad praying beside his bed. Hmm. You know, um, my mom and dad both uh, would read the scripture. They, they both were hospitable. So my mom and dad did not smoke, drink, or chew, or date girls who do. Kind of <laughs> but, like, my mom kept an ashtray in her house because our neighbor smoked, hmm. and she wanted her to feel at home in our home. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, we had a—I didn't know it at the time. Uh, I didn't know the word when I was little. We had a hoarder that lived up the street. We just called her the junkie lady. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't know she was a hoarder. She had no running water. She smelled— uh, the only neighbor that she could get water from was my parents. Wow. And my dad would, he'd be like, come here. Her name was Ann. He's like, Ann, let me get you some water here. And then the only neighbor that would let her in the house to use the telephone was my mom. Wow. And that's back when the phone was on the wall. And then my mom would either invite her for dinner or give her dinner to take. So I saw it. And I... It, so I saw those things. I also saw, um, you know, I joke that we went to church four times a week, but that was that that statement of priority mm. was like a big deal. Like my, um, we went to church. My dad used to bowl. He quit bowling. We went to church. Um, we, my mom and dad didn't have hobbies. We did not skip church. I had a paper route growing up, uh, and if you remember the old Sunday papers, I had to deliver them. Well, I had to deliver them before church. Mm-hmm. I get up now. My dad would get up with me, and that's the one day he'd drive me. Oh wow! So I could do it fast. But it's it was like we don't miss church, Lord. Our our church guys, we we prioritize the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now Heidi and I would approach that differently, but our kids are probably at church four times a week because they want to be sure. Yep, you know. But all those statements. But this this was my parents loving Jesus. This was not a discipleship plan. This was not a education plan. That's what I'm trying to say to uh, the, the the lady who sent the question in here. I'm like, I watched them live. They did put me in environments where I got biblical knowledge, and God did help me do the math on that. Yep. And and that's probably the strongest parenting tool I got. And we had devotions and we prayed, but my dad would do that in, in fits. Like we'd do it for five, three or four nights and then it wouldn't happen for three weeks, you sure. know, kind of a thing. Um, so. Yeah, that's really, really good. Jeff, can you, can you help our listeners know like maybe when it's time to make a shift in that decision? So, um, Maybe they're like, yeah, I watch movies. I tend to stay away from ones that I know are going to be explicit. 
and then all of a sudden something starts creeping in? Like, should they shift that decision? Or maybe it's something very practical with their kids. I have my kid in public schools. Something's going on. Should I change mm-hmm. that decision? Like, how do we know when maybe it's time to make a shift? The It's time to make a shift when you see your kid struggling in a certain way or when you catch yourself being lazy or the world is overwhelming your child, Hmm. you know? So um, if I, it amazes me the, uh, the amount of parents I've talked to over the years that don't have deep spiritual conversations with their children. Many parents live in fear of their children they're so afraid that they're going to mess their kids up (laughs) that they give them whatever they want, including like space and freedom. And one of the things I like to say is that you never lead from a position of fear. You lead from vision. So instead of what might my kid do, it's rather what, what might God do through my kid. So I think being proactive, if, you know, when your kids um, start to uh, get old enough to register sexual things and they go into puberty and those kind of things, you need to talk about pornography. You need to talk about sexual things. You need to have those conversations. Now, they'll hate it. The kids will hate it. <laughs> but, but you need to do that stuff, right? And there's a thousand ways to do that. Um, but, but you don't just let that issue sit, you know, um, if your kid is a is a teenager and they're in their room way too much and their laptop's always with them, you need to go find out what's on that laptop, sure. right? Don't condemn them, but have a if like if you're a dad and you catch your son looking at porn, you're like, buddy, you know what? Every man has this battle, everyone. So I want you to talk to me. Let me help you with this battle. Now you don't condemn or shame um, or uh, control you. you journey with them through that. So I think that's one. If you're getting lazy, if you're like, I go home and park it in front of the television and I should go talk to my kid, I don't feel like doing it. Then you need to double click. Like you need to be, you don't have to be a worshipful parent, but you need to be an engaged one. Right. And so catch that in yourself and in your relationship, by the way, be uh, uh, side note here. One of the very best things you can give your children is a good marriage. Hmm. So if you're getting lazy in your marriage, or if you and your husband or your wife need a weekend away, there's the two of you, that's a loving thing to do for your children. Yeah. Right? And then the third thing I would I said was this, like if the world's overwhelming them. So if, if they're in a school system, for instance, and, and, uh, falsehood is coming at them too fast or peer pressure is uh, too much um, or uh, etc you know then that's when you look and say okay um, just like I may not throw my child into the deep end of the pool to teach them to swim I may not be able to throw them into the deep end of culture and Mm -hmm. have them swim it and and the question will come up then like so should everybody homeschool? I'm like, no, I don't think everybody should homeschool. I've said that before. People said, will say, Jeff, you and Heidi homeschooled. I'm like, right. I work all weekend. Right. And I'm not going to be an absentee father. Heidi was willing and able 
so that's the choice we made so we could be together as a family. I wasn't really trying to shelter my family. I was trying to be with my family, mm-hmm. right? Um, by the way, that's the same reason we limit the amount of sports they can play. Sure. Because uh, I don't want the coach to raise my kids. I'll do that, but I'm not anti. My kids all play sports, right? So I'm not anti those things. Um, well, should we send them to a public school? I'm like, well, it depends. Um, do they have Christian friends there? Is there clubs and activities that are healthy there? Um, is is the are they excelling there, or are they being overwhelmed? And are the friends and the teachers overwhelming them? Well, then you may have to make a different decision. Uh, my kids go to uh, CVCA. Um, and one of the reasons why my kids go to CVCA is because we have six of them. And I knew that I needed the help. And so I'm like, I, I need a teachers and an administration that's on my team all the time. Yep. Uh, they don't escape all the peer stuff there because kids are kids, but I'm not worried about the curriculum and the teachers. That, you see what I'm saying? Yep. If I had uh, uh, less kids, I might make a different decision, or I might navigate. Pastor Ezra has three kids. They all go to Akron schools, and his kids are great. Like His kids <laughs> yep. are phenomenal kids. They love they Jesus. Are. They love Pastor Ezra. They're great kids, and they've gone to Akron Public Schools their whole career. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So you ha- you have to feel those things out as a family. And then what I what I sometimes will see is the parents will feel the pressure. All oh, my friends are homeschooling and they said my kids are going to be terrible. Well, ignore those people. Uh they don't the coach doesn't want my kid to leave our school district cuz they're a great athlete and there's well you have to ignore that. Your job is to raise these kids, not teach them to play soccer. Right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in your relationship with God, right, uh, my dad drove old beater cars my whole life. You know why? Because he sent me to a Christian school. (laughs) So he had a pattern of the world. He made a value decision. It was more valuable for him for us to have a Christian education that he never had. Yep than it was for him to take that vacation or drive a new car. He didn't conform to those things, and, and he figured that out. The, the passage here, um, I'm glad that we included this, John 17, Jesus' prayer. This applies to your kids, <clears throat> too, where Jesus said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but it, that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of this world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. The Jesus is saying, I want even your kids to be salt and light. There's a real important part of walking with Jesus that's tied to that. But then he also said, protect them from the evil one. And as a parent, I am part of that protection. Sure. Right? And so I'm just navigating that as I go. Yeah, we, we've all had multiple... Uh, I mean, thousands of negative influences in our life. Right. And my assumption is that if you're listening to this conversation right now, you're at least inclined to still pursue Jesus. And yet all those negative influences hit you. Yep. And so that's where we, that's where Jesus's prayer is like, as 
they interact with these things, as you interact with these things, God sanctify them, keep them on this path. Um, one of the things that I, I love that you said, what um, you didn't use this phrase, but it's kind of be the first to have the conversation with your kids. Yeah. I've heard you say before um, that I don't want to correct um, my child's friend's perspective. Right. I want their friends to counteract our perspective. That's right. And and that's that's a big deal to me. Like I I don't want to work against a friend or against a school system. I don't want to work against a falsehood. I want a truth to be the foundation and then the falsehood to work against that. So you don't have to convince a child that God created the world. That actually makes total logical sense to a person who's not jaded. Right. Uh, you don't even have to uh, convince a child that God loves them. That actually makes total logical sense to a person who's not jaded. Um, I want my kids to have my definition of sexual purity, my definition of what's uh, success, um, et cetera, right? So um, I've been at sporting events where uh, one kid leveled another kid, and it was a dirty play, and the kid who made the dirty play their parent has cheered for their kid and laughed about it. My kid would get in trouble for that. Sure. Regardless absolutely. of what the coach or the ref did. Yep. I'm like, no. Now, you level them and it's clean, that's the game. <laughs> sure. Right? Yep. That's the game. But I'm like, no. Uh, if you're arrogant on the field, no. not not. I'm not going to let that go unaddressed. Right? Yep. So I'm a part of that that protection and dealing with that and i want my kids grounded in truth so that their instinct is my testimony is intact on this field yep right um and and on and on and on down the line and 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 if i had um if i had one or two kids and they were going to a, a public school, and we have a great school system. I love it where we live. Um, I would feel like I had the bandwidth. I have six, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not. I'm not going to do well with this. The CVCA where's, is where we go. Like they can help me mm-hmm. and Heidi. So we're going to make that decision. Sure. So we actually weren't reacting to anything. Right. We were just saying, these are the foundational truths I want reinforced in my family's life, and that is a way Mm -hmm. to reinforce that. But that's where you have to be proactive in your discipleship and in your conversation with your kids. You know, we react. We usually react to our kids after they melt down. And I'm like, why don't we proact? And then when when they melt down, because they will, we're bringing them back to that truth instead of trying to insert it in that moment. Mm-hmm. I um, <laughs> I just started laughing a little bit. That reminds me of something that Mandy and I did when Ainsley was very, very young, um, which is when she would, you know, every toddler falls down all the time. Yeah. You know, and they would trip over things and <laughs> they, they would drink fall. a lot. <laughs> they do. Uh, no, but, um, you know, and a lot of kids reactions after they fall is to start crying. Well, Mandy and I, it's part of our personality, I guess, but we got into this habit of saying, like, you're okay, you're okay. Like, as soon as she would fall down, well, to this day, now we're probably four years past that season of her life, when she falls or stumbles or makes an accident, her first reaction, I'm okay. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but, and then if she's not, we certainly, you know, swoop in and address it together. But 
that's one of those things that was kind of proactively built into her because most of the time when a kid stumbles at that age, they really are okay. Yeah, that's they right. barely bumped anything. They're, they didn't break skin. They're not bruised. They just got startled, you know. And so her natural inclination is, I'm probably okay. Let me self. Yeah, I'm fine. You know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and and that's the kind of proactivity that you're talking about. Even though that's a silly example, we want our kids and then even ourselves to start defaulting to what would God say about this? What's His perspective on this? How can I honor Him through this? And then react from that right. vantage point. Now, um, if we can, let's hit one more practical piece here because um, I want to talk through some different ways that we might be able to counteract some of these uh, quote unquote ways of the world if you feel like you don't have some of the options we've discussed. So, for instance, I was just in a conversation with a recently single mother. She's got two young kids in elementary school. She had gotten let go uh, from her job right before her divorce got finalized. Um, Her husband doesn't have a job, so she's not getting child support because he doesn't work. She just lost her job. She had then found work, but she's in this financial pinch with no outside support. So when she hears like, oh man, private school, yeah, I'm already driving a beater car. Yeah, that's not happening. I have to work. I can't homeschool. So Jeff, what are some other resources, um, you know, especially probably speaking from a pastor's point of view, that that parent could rest into to help with their children? Yeah. Church is free. And, and that's the end of the podcast. No. Well, <laughs> well, this is where the family of God comes in. Yes. And um, I uh, I am unbelievably grateful for the other significant adults in my children's lives. Yep. And the other dads and the other moms. And, and my kids will even call them mom and dad sometimes, <laughs> you know. And, and their friends do that to Heidi and I. And I'm like... I want to create, uh, you know, they, our culture uses the word village a lot. Mm-hmm. We would use probably the word family a lot. I want to create a broader family that my children are a part of, and they're loved in, and they're served in, and they're networked in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those people are reinforcing what I want reinforced, but I have to work at it. Yeah. So my kids know that anything with church is an easy yes from dad. Can I go on a mission trip? Yeah. Can I go on a retreat? Yeah. Can we come back early from vacation as I be in youth group? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we have a Bible study at our house? Yeah. Will you buy us pizza? Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm playing the odds. Yep. I'm playing the odds. And I'm like, if they want to be involved in the things of the Lord with the people of God, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. So that's where, like your example of this dear lady, I'm like, she may need to make that need known. Like Mm -hmm. I have to work on Sundays. I have to feed. Well, then you get another family. If if I can, I promise you there's families at grace that if they knew that story would say, we'll swing by and pick up your kids. Yep. And they can stay with us all the way through junior high, and we'll drop them off that night. Yep. There, there are literally thousands of people who give millions of dollars 
so that your children can have opportunities. And when you are the one who needs that, we're all even more motivated to do those things because that's that's what God has called us to. So church is free. Youth group is free. Power kids are free. Um, maybe you can't pay tuition at a private school, but we can cover your kids' uh, tuition to camp. Mm-hmm. And we would love to do that for you. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Like, like because we want we want for your kids what you want for your kids, and we're a family making that happen. So I think that's a huge thing right there. the The other thing um, I would say to that is I, I want I want everybody to remember that the solution, the the answer to the question that's being asked, is not a programmatic one. So pray for your kids every day. Yep. Pray over them. Uh, reading the Bible together at night is free. <laughs> Watching The Chosen and putting in a, a $3 Aldi's pizza, which is what we eat at my house. Uh, Ainsley is six. Six, yep. She would think that was the greatest night ever. Yes, she would. And you just taught her all about Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Uh, look at uh, YouTube videos, the Bible Project. See, there's a gazillion resources. And so for like a single mom who's exhausted, I remember my kids laugh at me a little bit about this. Back when my kids were smaller, you, you didn't have the Apple TV stuff. You had more like DVDs. So I had DVDs of Bible stories and I would have devotions with my kids watching a DVD Bible story every night. Um, a couple of them would pile on top of me in the recliner, and we'd make maybe a little popcorn. It was a half hour. I fell asleep every night. <laughs> They're like, Dad, devotions are over. I don't have guilt about that. Nope. They have great memories, and I taught them something about God. But I'm like, you don't, you don't have to put that pressure on yourself as a mom or a parent 90% of parenting is showing up. And when you show up with your faith, a lot of that transfers. Mm-hmm. When you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're a teenager, if they rebel, because if you're a teenager listening, rebellion is an option. It's not a law. So not all teenagers rebel. If they rebel, if they walk away in college, just don't let it be because you didn't train them. Right. And what you might find is when they have their first kid, they might come running right back to what they were taught. Yep. Right? So, like, I I always say, like, my um, Heidi and I's kids make us look good, but those are their decisions that they're making. I, I don't know that that's parenting technique. Uh, we did try and do try, and and my kids know that, but they live with a sinner, mm-hmm. and then they have to listen to him preach a sermon, <laughs> right? That can't be easy. Um, but to this point, our children have chose to love Christ. Well, that's to their credit, not to mine. Mm-hmm. And in moments of failure or rebellion, that's not my fault. That's your fault. You decided to do that, right? Yep. And so I, I want their faith to be theirs, and um, and I, what I can do is model it. I can put them in environments where they can get it, and I can protect them because we've said, hey, that friend 
or that situation, no, mm-hmm. right? You know, I can I can see it. Um, I'm sure there's times I didn't protect them, and they just have. They're not old enough to have told me that yet. Yep. Uh, I love. I want to be with them and invest in them, and then I've hurt them. I know that I'm a sinner. Like e- everybody has dad wounds and mom wounds. Yep. Right. Um, but when you're confident your parents were genuine you usually process those wounds as like a joke. Mm-hmm. Remember when dad lost his temper that one time? Rah, rah, rah. If you don't trust that your parents love you or are genuine, you process that as pain. Remember that time dad lost his temper on the way home from church? Mm-hmm. See? And all I can do as a parent is love Jesus and do my best. And, and moms and dads... Um, those of you who are aunts, uncles, big brothers, big sisters, love Jesus and do your best, it's remarkable how far that gets you mm-hmm. when it comes to your influence of other people. I love that. You mentioned the whole building up the family around them. That is so important. My wife and I talk about that all the time. But I want to just encourage our listeners one last time with that. Find those that are also pursuing Jesus, yep. not just the other adults in their life. It may not be the teacher or the coach or your sister or even your parents that are the other village that you want around them if they're not themselves pursuing Christ. And so you're looking for that godliness. And um, I also uh, love how you're really pushing this idea that the Apostle Paul talked about where it's follow me as I follow Christ, because it's Christ who does the renewal, it's Christ who does the redemption, it's Christ that changes their hearts. And so we're not just trying to do behavior modification, we're trying to help them see a pattern of submitting to him, and that's where like, they might come back when they're young adult years, or they might finally see, because Jesus is doing something unique in their lives. Yeah, it's... I think when we try to control kids and we guilt trip kids, it does a lot of damage. Yeah. I, there, there's this question that you could ask. Maybe it's another, another uh, episode, but is it, is it better to teach your kids not to sin or to teach your kids to go to Jesus when they do? Mm. So, you know, in this question that was asked here, like, I want to shelter them from everything. I'm like, you probably are doing a spiritual disadvantage um, because uh, they're going to sin. They're going to be hurt. They're going to be wounded. I would kind of rather that happen under my roof so that I can point them to Christ. And sometimes the way that I point them to Christ is through me, like, you come tell dad, my dad did this. My dad was like, don't ever lie to me. You come to me, we'll work it out. Well, that's exactly what happened when I went to him. <laughs> if I if I told him the truth, we would work it out. Yeah. Which did not mean I got off the hook. Sure. If I lied, I was just like, I should probably just move, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm like, if I went and told him the truth, we would just work it out. Well, my dad, my dad taught me how to interact with God by teaching me how to interact with him. Yeah. And my mom would do the same thing. If I went and I told my mom, if I confessed my sin, yep. they were faithful and just, <laughs> yep. and they forgave me, right, of, of what they needed to forgive me of. And so 
I don't know. It's it's just a way to think, um, and that's where I'm. I also think my kids make me look good. Sure. I don't think I'm the a parenting guru or expert. I think my children have chose to love Jesus. Yeah. And despite their sinful father and mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the beauty of the essence of the gospel is that we love people. Um, because Christ first loved us. We forgive them because Christ forgave us. And when we start to see that in front of us, uh, when we start to live that out ourselves, it's amazing how that gets catchy and people start to discover Christ through that as well. That's right. So, well, thank you so much uh, for submitting this question. I hope that that's helpful and encouraging and gives you a lot of things to start sinking your teeth into as you continue to wrestle with, how do I raise my kids in a godly way? Or for those of you that stuck on that aren't parents, how can I continue to pursue Christ in in navigating the world that's in front of me? Well, if you have a question that you would like to be addressed, you can always go to our website at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. Fill out the form there. We'll get to that as soon as we can. And if you need some help taking some next steps, reach out to us. We'd love to help you in any way. You can always subscribe to us. You can follow or always send us a direct message. We'd love to hear from you and be interacting together as we do this journey of life uh, one-on-one together. Um, And then, of course, join us on the weekend. If you're in the area, you can join us in person. You can always join us online as well. We'd love to see you here at Grace Church if you don't have a church home. And we would love to continue to help you grow as you pursue Jesus. Well, thanks again for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all of the mixed messages around us. See you next time.